Morning Majlis. Talking the stories that are shaping headlines. This is, this is Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Welcome back onto the program. Now, we're talking about ESG. What does ESG stand for? Environmental, social, and governance. Now, um, it, when you look at these words, you th- you'd think you might be thinking marketing strategy or trends. Well, it's not. Well, to an extent, it can be. Uh, but primarily what's happening is uh, it's now viewed as a a main priority when it comes to decision-making for companies. Reason being is customers, employees, and investors are now looking at making decisions based on a commitment uh, by an organization. Now, this could be um, environmental initiative. It could be diversity at workplace. It could be um, right governance within an organization. Governance becomes a huge area of focus, um, especially for companies as uh, a lot of people are now looking at uh, what a company is doing to attract and retain talent, increasing efficiencies and ROI. I mean, look at Twitter, for example, recently with their job cuts and uh, that they've they've announced and also making employees work harder uh, than usual. Um, It's it's, it's the reputation of Twitter has gone down slightly. Um, so, but based on that, uh, a bit developing stakeholder trust, we're, we're focusing on the world of um, environmental sustainability. And uh, also the UAE is ready to host the COP28. At the moment, we have uh, the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week ongoing as well. We're focusing on the world of ESG. So to understand it in a greater detail, we spoke to a strategy expert at London Business School, uh, Dr. Yanis. Uh, uh, Dr. Yanis Yanou, uh, who um, spoke to us in greater detail uh, about the, uh, the the developments of ESG. Uh, we talked to him about uh, how companies and how UAE in particular is playing a big role in spreading environmental awareness. How can companies instill these values amongst its own workforce and amongst uh, its customers and stakeholders? So, Do- Professor Dr. Yanis Yanou, uh, uh, the strategy expert at London Business School, uh, spoke to us in greater detail about this. And my first question to him uh, was uh, surrounding the importance of the ESG. How important are these values for an organization and even for governments, for example? And what are we looking at uh, in terms of uh, the future? Because there's a big challenge when it comes to uh, invest- companies or countries looking at recession. Uh, should we prioritize spending in environmental issues when there's a big recession going on? And uh, this is what uh, Professor Yanis had to say. So when we talk about ESG, really there is no way to underestimate the importance for business uh, and for the world more broadly. We're clearly, uh, the world is in a bad shape, whether we talk about environmental issues, climate change, deforestation, uh, whether we talk about social issues like inequality, human rights, and so on. But from a business point of view, there's no question that these issues are fundamentally shifting the competitive landscape. I mean, just think about it. Customers are demanding more environmentally and socially responsible products and services. Employees want to work for companies with whom, with which they are fully aligned in terms of values, norms, purpose. Supply chains are under increasing scrutiny in terms of human rights violations and environmental impact. 
Even investors these days are um, increasingly integrate environmental and social risks in the way they, ma they make investment decisions. So if you look at it from a business point of view, well, pretty much every one of your stakeholders is changing the demands and expectations that are placing upon you. So clearly, this is a fundamental shift of the competitive landscape. So from a business point of view, again, it's a matter of adapting to these new demands and expectations. Now, from the perspective of, uh, of, of the Middle East and the UAE more specifically, um, is we know from all the science out there that the region is particularly vulnerable to the impacts, especially when we talk about environmental impacts, but also more broadly, think about increasing frequency and intensity of heat waves, the increasing intensity and frequency of dust storms, how this is going to affect the food system in the region, how is this is going to affect the, the, the livability of the region given the high temperatures and the high higher temperatures uh, in combination with humidity. So the region is particularly vulnerable um, uh, to these impacts and therefore it's, it's equally important, if not more important, for, for companies to integrate these considerations, these environmental, social and governance impacts at the core of what they do. You're also quite a, a regular visitor to this part of the globe, and uh, you were at the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week earlier this week. Um, what, what have you noticed now in terms of uh, the growing perceptions and uh, the growing uh, interest and also a willingness for companies, private sector in particular nowadays, to get involved in these environmental and sustainable practices? Uh, what have you noticed uh, this year? So there's no question that nobody's an extra in this fight, whether we talk about individuals, governments, corporates, um, global institutions, everybody, literally everybody, everybody has a role to play. So what we're, we're seeing a thing now is this momentum building up for COP28 that's going to be hosted by the uh, uh, by the UAE, uh, I, I guess, not next year, this year. We're already in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, what, what we realize, what the world is realizing and what the region is realizing is the increasing and pivotal importance, in my view, of COP28. There is, there's a couple of uh, important issues on the table. So, for instance, I do think that the COPs are going through an existential crisis. In other words, we had the targets, but the COPs are a bit transitioning towards action in other words getting things done and i'm not sure that the structure we had before on a green target is the same structure that we need in order to get things done so i believe that um uh, the, the the uae cop 28 should provide answers to those questions also as the new uh, um, uh, head of cop 28 said in his talk during uh uh, this week, he actually said, you know, we are way off track. As a matter of fact, we're not just way off track. We're moving at speed in the opposite direction. In other words, instead of diminishing our carbon emissions, we're still increasing them. So there's a lot of work to be done on implementation. Um, and, and, and I think um, in some ways, the, the, the UAE COP is important because it almost it captures the contradiction at the heart of, of our struggles in the sense that uh, it, it, we need to maintain things like energy security and energy stability and affordability. But at the same time, we know if we do that and we do not sufficiently and quickly scale up renewables and decarbonize, there's no way we're going to meet our, our science targets, right? I think about this. We've been having COPs for 28, 29 years, and we still, as a world, didn't come together to agree to say explicitly we need to phase down fossil fuels. But I mean, it's not just about, for instance, increasing renewable energy. We absolutely do that. But we 
at the same time need to wind down in a structured in a, in, in a very well thought through transitional way um, um, fossil fuels and, and we know because there are scientists even the IEA said right there's there can be no achievement of net zero in our target if there are new explorations exploration projects on fossil fuels so we need to take that into very serious consideration and at, at COP28 really set the foundation of practical implementable feasible and quick action for the next seven or so years that we have until 2030 in order to meet our targets you know there's a always a, a bit of a challenge when it comes to that uh, we had the COVID-19 now we have the energy crisis already we have the inflationary pressures do you think uh, there have been these little obstacles that are dividing the country's own priorities. Um, are, are these uh, external shocks going to deter the, com- the countries or organizations to come together and have those actionable targets for COP28, given this, uh, the concerns of inflation and recession? Oh, absolutely. Those, ex- those, in a sense, make exaggerate the trade-offs that, that countries around the world face as they plan their transition. But here's the thing we always need to keep in mind. Nature and science don't care about our priorities, right? So we might we, we may well discuss our priorities and, and realize that these are tough trade-offs. But if we don't address things like global warming and climate change, nature and science are going to take their course, no matter what we do, right? And, and also, I think in the grand scheme of things, we need to be aware that, of course, uh, the cost of living crisis, the recessions can be terrible and they should be managed. But in the grand scheme of things, and we talk about the, at the, the time scale of nature, those are short term concerns compared to the long term uh, impacts of climate change. Because, uh, again, we're talking about 2050 or the end of the century for, you know, uh, 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 getting to two plus actually right now, mm-hmm. three degrees of global warming. Um, so we need to find the ways to manage both in the same way that we in the past we've always managed the short-term and long-term considerations. Uh, there are innovative solutions out there, whether they're technological or social or even nature-based solutions. But we need to, uh, globally, uh, we need to be honest with ourselves. Right? What are our priorities? Because it's, it's, it is about prioritizing, uh, in my opinion at least, uh, well, and the existential threat before mm-hmm. everything else. But you do see that the, uh, for instance, take the, the war in Ukraine. Um, it, it was unclear at the beginning and there were very many voices that said, well, will this accelerate the energy transition or will this delay? Well, for example, solar and other sources. Well, according to the IEA, right, the International Energy Agency, it has accelerated investments because I mean, think about it. In, in many ways, renewables and alternative sources, apart from fossil fuels, well, first of all, they are hitting the targets when it comes to cost, right? Increasingly through innovation, we know how to increase their reliability as well. They're decentralized and therefore they also at the same time mm. address the energy security issue, the famous energy trilemma, right? So uh, energy security, affordability and, and, and environmental impact. Um, so that, that's a glimpse of hope. If you like that, there there are ways. By the way, don't forget, don't forget that, and we've, this has been discussed in the in Europe for the Green New Deal. This has been discussed for the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. A lot of these green initiatives or responsible initiatives, more broadly, do create more jobs. It, it, they are they are, are the solution to some of these short-term challenges, right? There, there. If if you create 
better paying, more stable jobs in the green sector, of course you can address the, the cost of living, living crisis. It is, and, and, and the last thing I'm going to say is that if we're facing a recession, there's two options. You either save your, your, uh, your way out of a recession or you invest your way out of a recession. So why not invest our way of any potential recession by in fact focusing on these green policies and green, green strategies? Yeah, long-term approach, isn't it? With that uh, big investment uh, to get inclinations uh, out of the uh, the recessionary and inflationary pressures. Um, lastly, if we were to talk about uh, the the key pillars, uh, the G, the governance, that's that seems to be a very very important element associated with the uh, with this strategy. Um, do you think uh, the governance revolution seems to be a bit necessary at the moment uh, to make ES G more effective? Absolutely. It's critical. Uh, we, we, of course, talk about environmental and social issues very often, but we should not neglect the governance dimension. Because think about it, governance practices essentially are the ones that characterize the quality, the level of decision making for businesses. If we're talking about governance at the corporate level, right? Clearly, in order for uh, businesses to navigate this environmental and social disruption, they need to change the way they make decisions. Let me give you an example. A lot of these environmental and social issues, let's be honest, for a long time for businesses, it was someone else's problem. Mm. It was either the governments or the regulators or the local community. It was someone else's problem. Now, not only do they need to account for these issues, um, uh, not that, definitely not as an add-on, but they not only need to account for these issues at the core of what they do. How could you change the way you consider the core of your business if you don't change your core decision-making processes and structures? So that's why governance is so important. And 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 I think in the in the uh, ESG domain, governance almost has a dual role because nobody's saying, for instance, forget about profit, only do environmental and social issues. But we're still businesses, and and the the power of business is for innovation and scaling up. And by the way, for the world's, world's problems, this is what we need, right? Innovative solutions that can be scaled up very quickly. Now, if you don't have the governance to balance and integrate both the financial as well as the socio-environmental performance, how on earth are you going to get there? How are you going to be a sustainable business that addresses these concerns and at the same time is a profitable business? So governance has this important role of balancing out, essentially, all of these demands and expectations of all the stakeholders, integrating them in a way that produces value as it scales up. And that's a whole different level of challenge for governance. But I think that increasingly so, we do see companies uh, taking those steps. For example, a big discussion about whether ESG metrics should be included in compensation structures and incentives. And, and pay packages. These are some of the most important tools we have in organizations. And we need to have those discussions about if we change the compensation start uh, um, packages of, of corporates, do we really get the social, environmental, and financial performance that, that we need? Um, so very fundamental discussions. So uh, it's not, there's, uh, it's, governance is central to this, to this debate.
Well, certainly lots to uh, take back from uh, this conversation. Prof- Professor Yunus, thank you very much for joining us uh, today and uh, brief- briefing us uh, about the importance of ESG. And uh, there is uh, lots to take back for us. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very fruitful uh, discussion in the near future and also for the COP28 summit. And that's exactly what we hope for. Thank you so much again for having me. It's been a pleasure. So that was uh, Professor Yanis uh, from London Business School uh, talking to us about strategies and also the importance of ESG when it comes to uh, generating more profits and also developing those important ties with your stakeholders. Uh, You can catch this discussion as a podcast on our podcast pages, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Don't forget to subscribe and share away. You're listening to the